0: Hey, Good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Good to have you here. Um, hey, before I get into my message time, I just wanna, I just want to stop for uh, just a few seconds. and um, I think most of you are probably familiar with what's going on with Israel and uh, Palestine and also with Afghanistan. There's uh, been an earthquake there that's taken the lives of so many. And I feel like right now we just need to stop and pause and, and pray. And um, so would you just close your eyes? With me right now, God, I know that sometimes it's hard to understand that you are in charge. And I know for some that we have a hard time having faith in you because we look at these, these moments in time and history and we wonder where you are in this god my my prayer is that we can be reminded we we live in a broken and messy world and uh, you are you're present to bring us comfort and and help and encouragement and, and those tough times and, and god, i gotta know in a church like this we've got people here who have friends in that part of the world that is facing these tough times right now we have people who work in these communities and are connected, and maybe there's family that's there. And so, our prayer, God, is for peace and comfort. It can only come through your Spirit moving to people's lives. God, we don't know what the future will hold, but our prayer is that we can put our faith and trust in you, and the good will come from this. God, we thank you for your Spirit that can work and move in us, and we pray for it to do amazing things right now with people we know and care for and love. In Jesus' name, Amen. This is a little weird transition into the next piece there, but uh, we felt like we needed to take a, a moment and and, um, and pray there. Um, let's say tomorrow, I'm guessing most of you have the day off and. You go downtown to the Washington Monument you're, you're walking around the monument just sightseeing having a good old time beautiful day and, and next thing you know Taylor Swift shows up okay minus Travis Kelsey she's there on her own but she's there she's doing the same thing you are she, she's sightseeing what is going to take place when one person sees Tay-Tay they're gonna go crazy right There's going to be a mob. There's going to be absolute chaos because one person is going to scream, there's Taylor Swift, and this crowd is just going to start gathering around her. They're going to want to get her autograph and take photos with her. They're going to want to maybe just touch her shoulder, ask her some questions. But people will go crazy for a little bit of Taylor Swift. Now, the only thing that's going to bring order to this chaos would be the police, right? In all this chaos, the police would show up, and hopefully bring a little order to what's happening. Now, you don't really think about this, because I don't really think about this in my own life. Our lives really aren't that much different. We are living lives that are chaotic, Think about your schedule and, and maybe you work uh, long hours and there's a commute that you have to add. And, and then there's hobbies and activities and, and groups and events that you're a part of outside of that. Maybe you're working and going to school or you take care of your kids. And I mean, there's so much that, that our, our, our calendar is just full, full of all these things that we're involved with. And it's not just during the week. It's on the weekends, too. Our lives, they're chaotic. And then you think about the relationships that you have with people. They're chaotic, too, Right. There's some family dynamics. There's a marriage that's struggling. Your dating life. You're trying to figure out. You're trying to parent kids today. I mean, your personal life is full of, of chaos. And then there's our spiritual life. And I think sometimes we don't really think about this, but our, our spiritual life's chaotic too. Because what I just talked about, right? We, we think about what's happening in the Middle East, and we think to ourselves, God, where are you in this? God, why aren't you intervening? God, what's happening? How could you let this happen? And, and so we begin to put this, this doubt towards God, and we're trying to figure out this relationship and connection with God, and, and so we live a spiritual life that's chaotic too. Well, this morning, what I want to talk about is that you and I in the chaos of life are looking for peace. We're looking for comfort. We're looking for rest. We're looking for order. And so we're going to talk about that as we continue our series called It. And in this series, we are focused on the Holy Spirit. And and this morning, again, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit brings order to our chaos. But today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to spend most of our time there. So if you have a Bible and you want to use it, you can open it up right now. We're going to be in Acts 2. If you don't, it's going to be up here on the screens. But here's what Acts 2 says, starting with verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Last week we were in Acts chapter one. We said Jesus had resurrected. He's been uh, on earth for about forty extra days, uh, and here we are at the end before he gets ready to go spend uh, his time with God. And uh, he's having a last meal. He's having a last conversation with his disciples, and he tells them, he's like, hey, something's coming." Like, God's going to give you a gift, so you need to go and wait. This gift's going to come, and this gift's going to be the Holy Spirit, and it's going to do these amazing things in your life and and through your life. Well, if we look at the end of chapter 1, verse 15, we find there is this group of followers, 120 of them to be exact, that are in this home. They are in this room, and what are they doing? Well, they're experiencing chaos, right? Because they're trying to figure out, okay, Jesus was here now Jesus is gone. What what are we supposed to do? When is this gift coming? We've been waiting for a long time. What's happening? And about 10 days after Jesus tells them this Holy Spirit is coming, the Holy Spirit comes. Look at verse 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a a mighty windstorm. And it, it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Here they are, they're in this home, right? And again, they're waiting, they're they're trying to figure out what's going on and and what happens. Whoosh! The Holy Spirit shows up. They're in the presence of of the Holy Spirit. And as we see this part of the reading today, we're going to find there are three phenomena that take place. The, The first one is there's a sound. What's it say here? It says, a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Now, I think the image that you and I have in our mind when we read that is it's like a tornado comes and hits this place, right? Like, like the, the curtains are ripped off of, of the walls and, and papers and utensils are just being thrown all over the place. We, we don't read here any kind of movements happening. What we have is a sound. And the sound is extremely loud. As it says here, it's like a windstorm. But there's another phenomenon we see here. There's a sight. It says, looked like flames or tongues of fire. Like I just said last week, Jesus said, hey, this gift is coming. The Holy Spirit's on its way. And we see it manifest itself visually to the people that are there in that space through these flames or tongues of fire. So imagine you've been waiting on this gift, and now you're sitting in this this home and and you hear and you see what these hundred and twenty people are experiencing. Like I, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like for them, the sound and the sight of the Holy Spirit. But also notice here, it doesn't say that it just went to the disciples, right? It says everyone in this space, everyone in this room, they all get this gift of the Holy Spirit. Men, women, Jesus' brothers were there. They got it. They didn't even believe in Jesus a while back. Now they're like, yep, we understand. And, and so they got it. The disciples got it. People that weren't disciples got it. Everybody in that space received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then there's a third phenomenon that takes place in verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Phenomenon number three, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in all these different languages. Now, not only did you hear this sound, not only did you see this manifestation visually in front of you that you know you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and now you have this ability to speak in these different languages. Again, I can't imagine what that experience would have been like. But it's not just those 120 people that get to experience the Holy Spirit on that particular day. There's another group too. Look at verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. If we go back to verse 1, said it was the day of Pentecost. The Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover, and it was one of the three main uh, festivals, uh, celebrations for the Jewish people on their Jewish calendar. Uh, It was partly representative of the wheat harvest that was coming, and uh, it was also connected to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from, from God on Mount Sinai. Now, why is this important for us to understand that this is particularly when this this event is taking place? Well, since it's festival time, if you were Jewish, no matter where you lived, especially these three main uh, festivals, you were required, especially if you were a Jewish male, you were required to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate those festivals. And so that means you've got pilgrims from all over the known world who are coming into Jerusalem to celebrate. Now, uh, scholars say that Jerusalem, at the point of these festivals happening, would swell in size three to four times its normal population. So you've got this huge group of people that are there in Jerusalem. But notice what we see here, right? Not only do the 120 followers in this home hear the sound, but it also says the people outside the walls of this home hear this sound too. Kind of reminds me back this summer. It was a Sunday. Uh, I was at home doing my Sunday after church hangover nap and kind of resting a little bit after a busy morning. And like many of you, especially if you were around on that particular day, there was this loud boom, right? We all heard it if you you were here. Well, most people heard it if you were here. But um, but like you, if you heard it, you're trying to figure out what was that. And so I, I did what i knew best to do i got on twitter and that was not a smart thing to do because all the conspiracy theorists had already started posting stuff about apocalyptic asteroids hitting and um uh, nuclear bombs and alien invasions and those are the those are the tame ones that i think i, I read on on twitter but a little bit later on we, we found out what had happened a, a fighter jet taken off hit a sonic boom and um, sadly to see what was going on with this wayward plane and uh, over dc airspace but but if you remember that day and, and you were awake then then you probably heard that and you were trying to figure out what is that this is what i imagine this was like for this group of people like they hear this noise this crowd outside of this home they hear this noise and they're like what is that but the funny part is it says they came running Like they were so interested to hear what that sound was that they came running to that place. And what did they find when they got there? 120 followers of Jesus who had now been filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in these different languages. Now, why would this have been weird to them? Well, there's a couple of reasons, and we read about it as we continue on. Verse 7 says they were completely amazed how... Can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And let me just tell you a little bit about the Galilean people. They were not known to be very well educated. Okay, and uh, and probably another way to put it, they were sort of backwoods a little bit. Um, they were more than likely sort of what we would call redneck. Um, they probably loved to watch NASCAR, drove a truck um they they love to uh they love their dog and they just broke up with a girlfriend i mean this is kind of the life that they live and some of you are like oh that sounds like me i'm not making fun of you i grew up in that kind of community right it's kind of rednecky, and and that really was what the galileans were looked at as they they were looked at as like hey this group's kind of rednecky and unlike our, us that are rednecks here that may have come out of that were educated they weren't very educated And so they can't figure out, what are they doing? How how are they able to speak all of these different languages? Because that was throwing them off. They they couldn't believe what they were hearing from this particular group. continues on. Look at verse 7. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. They have to understand the main core languages at that time were Aramaic, especially if you were Jewish, and, and the Greek language, which was really kind of known throughout the whole Roman Empire. This group of 120 people, some of them may have been speaking in Aramaic or Greek, but but they're speaking in more languages than just those two. They're, they're speaking in these languages where all these pilgrims had come from to be a part of this festival. The places that they lived, the languages that were spoke there, those were the languages that they were hearing from this group of 120 people. But why is that so important for us to know? Well, it actually goes back to what we talked about last week. It goes back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus sets this mission in front of the disciples, when he says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so what Jesus tells them a few days earlier, we see it coming to life here in Acts chapter 2. This vision that Jesus had stated, this this purpose for his disciples and what they were going to do with with their lives, the story of Jesus was going to be shared beyond the Jewish people, beyond anybody who just had a bloodline with the Jewish people. It's going to be spread throughout the world. And we see it beginning to take place and to come to fruition through this moment with this group who are speaking these different languages because because they have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Back to chapter 2. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Again, confusion. They're perplexed. I-, I can only imagine the, the chaos that-, that it may have felt like for the group of people who are watching this take place. Now, they, they-, they kind of realize something big's happening. They don't know quite yet what it is. And so they're trying to put meaning behind what they, they see here. I mean, is this, is this a God thing? And even some of them say, hey, no, they're just drunk. A little bit later on in Acts 2, Peter is preaching. And, uh, and as he's preaching, he says, hey, they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. 11 o'clock, maybe. But 9 o'clock, no, there's nothing that can happen at 9 o'clock. Because he's trying to say, hey, there's something more here that That you just don't know about. This group is witnessing something incredible and amazing. And yet in the midst of it, there's sort of this this chaos that is a part of this. But why is this happening? Back to verse 8 of chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is happening because the Holy Spirit has now come to be a part of these followers Lives And the Holy Spirit was working in their lives and changing them and transforming them and giving them this gift that they've never had before. Why? So then the Holy Spirit could work through them and to the crowd that had gathered that day to figure out what was happening around them. Now, some of us may read this part in Acts chapter 2, and we we think to ourselves, ah, well, this must be the the beginning of of the Holy Spirit. This must be the the starting point of the existence of of the Holy Spirit. But that's not true. The the Holy Spirit has actually been around since before the beginning of time. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And so we read that passage there. What's the first thing we see? We see that God is in creation. But the other thing that we find here is there's chaos. The Hebrew words for formless and empty, that means chaos. It it, it means this this trackless waste. And and if you keep going here, we have God, we have this this chaos, but we have something else in verse 2, the rest of it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters god's presence but the holy spirit is present too watching over this chaos like the holy spirit didn't just come into existence and in what we're reading here in acts 2 the holy spirit has been with god before the beginning of time and will be with god through eternity but, but as we're kind of thinking through that a little bit and, and maybe some of you grasp it and maybe others don't, let's just, let's just take a little pause in Acts 2 and let's, let's kind of talk about this, this Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit? Well, my guess is how you define and view the Holy Spirit probably comes from your church background or maybe your denominational background, right? For example... Some of you came from churches that were very God-focused. And when I say very God-focused, I mean that um, the language, the messages, the prayers, the songs, the methodology of that church or that denomination, it was very, very focused on, on God. Now, it doesn't mean you didn't talk about Jesus. You, you More than likely you did. My guess is you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot, but maybe a little bit. But, but most of the focus was God. Others of you probably grew up in a church more like what I grew up in, where it was very Jesus-focused. When I say that, I mean the language, the messages, the prayers, the, the songs, the methodology was very Jesus-centric. Again, you, you probably talked about God quite a bit. And if you grew up in a church like I did, maybe the Holy Spirit just a little bit, but not, not a ton. And, and then others of you, you grew up in a Holy Spirit church, that that, that was your focus, and so for you, language, message, prayers, songs, methodology were really geared towards the Holy Spirit. And you probably talked about God, and you probably talked about Jesus a little bit more, but, but the Holy Spirit was the focus of that church or that denomination that you maybe grew up in or a part of. Now, I am painting an extremely broad paintbrush or a picture here of, of this. I, I know that's not true for everybody. But I do believe how we kind of view and define God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit probably comes from a lot of our backgrounds that we grew up in, in a church or in some certain denomination. But here's what I believe. When we're so focused on one of those three, I feel like we're fully missing out. There's something more that's going on here. And in theology circles, we would call this the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are together, they're, they're this, this package deal. And at the same time, they're separate. A good example of this is Jesus' baptism in Mark chapter 1. It says, As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And this one event in Jesus' life, we have Jesus who is being baptized. And then we hear the voice of God from heaven, like, Hey, you're my my loved son. I love you. I care for you. And the people around hear this. and, And then we have this Holy Spirit that is descending on Jesus as this baptism is taking place. Right, The Trinity, these three separate but together people. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The so theologian Jürgen Maltman wrote, "...the divine persons exist so intimately with one another, for one another, and in one another, that they constitute a single, unique, and complete unity by themselves." If the Trinity was a math problem, it would be 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. And if you're a parent and you've ever done Common Core, you're like, yeah, that makes sense, right? <laughs> 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. That, that equation means we have God the Father, we have Jesus the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. All are separate, but at the same time, they are in community with each other. In fact, that term Trinity, you know what it actually means? It means triunity. That's what the term Trinity means. It means triunity. It's like the uh, hymn that uh, many of us probably grew up singing God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? Um, God in three persons, blessed triunity. We could probably put that in there. This is what we have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Maybe another way to put this is think about the compound H2O, and this is very elementary. This is not the depths of this, but maybe it'll help a little bit. We know that H2O can be a liquid, it can be a gas, and it can be frozen, right? It can, it can be a solid. It's so all three of those, but it's the same compound, but we see it act out in all these different ways. And maybe that helps us understand the the Trinity, this this triunity uh, a little bit better. It's just kind of an image there. but but as we're thinking about this morning, and maybe we kind of think about our backgrounds and how it defines how we view, specifically the the Holy Spirit, uh, I, I want us to to kind of look at this Holy Spirit as, as something that brings order to the chaos in our lives. Because this is what we see it doing. In Scripture, we, we go back to Genesis 1. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In, in Hebrew, the word spirit that is there is the, the word ruach. And it means wind. It means breath. And so in this creation story, we have this chaos that is, is present there. And, and at the same time, we have God. But we have the Spirit of God that is present too. And what is it there to do? It is there to bring life. And to the lifeless. It is there to bring order into the chaos that is there. If we move forward to what we're reading today here in Acts chapter 2, again, I believe we have chaos. We have these 125 followers who are trying to figure out what is happening, what's going on, and there's chaos, and the Holy Spirit shows up. And you got this big crowd that's out there, and they're trying to figure out what's happening, and the Holy Spirit is present. Chaos is happening, but the Holy Spirit once again shows up to bring order to that chaos. The Greek word for spirit that we read throughout the New Testament is the word pneuma. And guess what pneuma means? It means wind. It means breath. We're not talking about a new Holy Spirit here. We're talking about the same spirit that has been with God all the way back, even before time began we see this in both Genesis and Acts the Holy Spirit bringing life to the lifeless the Holy Spirit bringing order in the chaos well how does this Holy Spirit bring order in what we are seeing today if you look at the rest of Acts chapter 2 Peter gets up and he preaches now understand Peter's probably not going to do this if the Holy Spirit's not in him He's not just going to get up one day and like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to preach. Something has changed in him. Something has transformed him. And so he stands up in that moment and he begins to preach to the the crowd of people that are there. Like, what does this mean? You guys are uneducated. You're from Galilee. What's going on here? We don't understand. Is this a a God thing? So Peter begins to to bring some order to the chaos through the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And he begins to share the story of Jesus the power of Jesus and, and the, the connection to their past and their heritage and the prophecies in King David and it reminds them who they are and what they've experienced, what they've been through, the things that they've done in their life. And, and in that, he is helping to bring order into this chaos through the spirit using him and talking through Peter's heart and soul. And as this group of people are there, There's a response in verse 37 that we can really begin to feel like there's despair. And they're looking for answers in their life. They're looking for order in their chaos. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Again, because of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Again, can't can you hear that despair there? Hey, we're, we're lost. We, we, we don't know what we should do, the direction we should go. What do we need to do? What, what steps do we need to take here? How can, we, how can we bring order into the chaos of our lives? And Peter says this in verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, which again connects back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All who have been called by the Lord our God. And oh, by the way, what else do we see here in this passage in Peter's words? We see the trinity. We see that triunity again, right? He says, turn to God. And then he says, accept Jesus as your Savior. Begin to fully follow Jesus with your lives. And then you're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit, which will help bring order into your chaos. How does the power of the Holy Spirit work here? And through the words that Peter shares, verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. My question for you today is what's your chaos? What is the thing in your life that you are holding on to, that you're struggling with, that you're facing, that's hard for you right now? And again, maybe it goes back to what we talked little about a little bit earlier, the chaos of just day-to-day life, the chaos of relationships. Maybe it is your spiritual chaos. What is it that in your life feels chaotic to you? And I think there's a couple of different groups of people here. The first group of people, maybe you're a follower of Christ, right? But maybe you've kind of forgotten about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. When, when you go back and you start to read more about the Holy Spirit, you find that it is, uh, the, the Holy Spirit's role is to be an encourager, to you and to me. Its role is to be an advocate to God for you and me. Its role is to be a counselor. And when we're struggling, the Holy Spirit is is helping to move us to to a place of finding the health and the rest and peace that that we need. That the Holy Spirit is there to transform us and, and to change us, to work in us in such a way that the way we live our life is that other people see that we're different and that we're able to live out the Jesus mission like we talked about last week with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That, that we can be more like what we see here in our event today where you have this group of people whose lives are, are changed because of the Holy Spirit in them, but then you see what happens through them because of the power of the Holy Spirit, people are like, what do we do? Our lives are chaotic. We want order. And as we find here, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that day. Order from the chaos. And maybe for some of us, we just need to remember, as a follower of Christ, we have that power in us. But then there may be others that you're questioning what your life looks like. You're you're questioning the, the chaos that you're experiencing and that you're finding in your life. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't something just for Christians to hold on to. It's something that is a gift from God to you when you take that step. When, as Peter says, you turn to God, you accept Jesus as your Savior, you follow Jesus, and you allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to begin to change you. Maybe that's the step that you need to take. Maybe the step for you is what Peter talks about here is through baptism. Joel was sharing with us a little bit earlier. He's doing a baptism class on Zoom this week. Sign up for that if you've got questions. You want to know more about it. Joel does an amazing job explaining it. And we'd love for you to take that step into your life and let the Holy Spirit bring order into your chaos. We all have chaos. But God gave us this incredible gift that is there to help us find order and peace and comfort and rest to be our counselor our advocate and our encourager maybe it's time for us to realize the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives let's pray God I know that um one of the things I love about this church is that we're not all from the same denominations, that we man, we run the gamut of about anything you can imagine, and I love that about this place. But God, I also know that in that, we, from our experiences and, and learnings, that um, we probably have different views of the Holy Spirit. God, my, my prayer today as we continued in this series is that we would, we would bring whatever's missing in, in our ideas of the Trinity together. But God, in this triunity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is so much comfort and power and rest, and, and God, sometimes we forget that. God, I believe we forget about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that it is a gift from you. I pray that we can hold on to that gift and use it in any way possible, not just for our lives, but for the lives of those we come into contact with every day. God, our lives are chaotic. They are crazy. May the Spirit bring order to it, just as it has since the beginning of time. In Jesus' name, amen.